0: Uh, it's been such a challenging and inspiring book for all of us i think regardless of where we've been and where we are in faith and so if you have your bibles i'd love you to turn to colossians 4. we're in a bit of a strange passage and i thought should i just skip this actually because to be honest a lot of it is paul's thank yous to different people who've had specific roles in his life but there's actually so much that we can get out of this and so I'm calling your life matters to God. And uh, I think that will come up. But we're at the moment in the middle of the World Cup. To be honest, this is my least favorite World Cup. Um, So I couldn't tell you that much about it because um, soccer is just not really for me. But for many of you here, it will be for you. So I thought I'd research just so I even know what teams are playing. Um, and I think there'll be a picture up there which we'll just get excited about. Um, I think Zimbabwe is in the last 16, so they have, (laughs) I'm joking, (laughs) we won't get there. But there's been some interesting upsets. I hope there's no German fans here or German heritage. Um, If so, just keep quiet, because that's been an awkward thing for many German fans. Uh, But for those of you who are following, um, I don't even know how necessary to say their names, but Marata, GAPCO, Valencia, they're at the top of the individual scoring rankings, which a lot of people follow. They're on three goals each. The interesting thing is that although these men are at the top of their game playing in the World Cup on the greatest stage, they would never have got to score those three goals each if it wasn't for the help of many other people along the way. Not just in their own team, so not just those who assisted, not just people who managed to get the ball to them, but also their coaches. That would make a huge difference as well. But not only that we could backtrack to their parents because frankly they wouldn't be playing if it wasn't for their mom and dad we can go to the school that they went to the opportunities that they had through various different means we could backtrack to nutritionists physiotherapists coaches spouses or family who are supporting them and that's the same for each of us we work best in a team format that's how we work best we work best when we are as a team and this can relate to us if we are playing in yes a sports team now uh where is it sir mac rory mcquade who i think just came second in the masters or the senior world cup cricket so give it up for rory i know he's hiding at the back but uh very very impressive only lost to south africa so so very impressive uh, for you to still be playing um at that age rory um which is still very young but just to be playing at that age um is impressive i wouldn't couldn't play at any age um, but in everything, marriage, marriage is a team. It's a team effort. If marriage is to do well in life, it takes two people putting in effort for the marriage to flourish. The same comes for families and raising children. It's a team effort with the help of many other people in that. A business is a team. It doesn't matter if you're a self-made entrepreneur and in some senses you think I've done it on my own. You actually haven't. There's been many people along the way who've helped you to get to that place. And uh, so we all have help, and we all need other people. And in fact, we're at our best when we recognize that. We do well working with others, and that's how God has wired us. It's how he's made us. He's made us to work with other people. But on top of that, in the midst of working with other people, God has a specific and unique purpose for each one of us. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christ follower yet. I can tell you God has a specific purpose for your life. It's no accident you're here, it's no accident that you were creative, created by Him. Whether you're exploring faith or not, your life isn't an accident. You were created to work with other people, for other people, and ultimately for God. But the Lord loves to use all people types for His kingdom. And so that's where we're at today in Colossians as we close out. It's really Paul sharing, and he's saying this kingdom work that God's doing, the work that God is doing in the Colossian church, in Paul's life, the advance of the gospel, it's a collective effort. There's no people who are flying solo, In that and so if you've missed the series it's online but uh, as I said I'd love us to dive into Colossians 4 and today's all about these people that have meant something to Paul on the journey in a sense his sports team the collective sports team in the advance of the gospel but as we track today and we look at different people's lives the challenge for each of us and this is always the challenge whether we read the Bible by ourselves whether we listen to it on our drive to work whether we're here uh, listening to a message is do we allow The words of scripture to impact our lives do we allow them to move from academic knowledge to heart change and so we track through this and we look at different people types i want you to go i want you to go is that me that person type is that something i deal with is that something i need to be concerned about is that something i need to be encouraged and let it apply to your life today so colossians 4 verse 7 we'll look at this first Um, and the first point is faithfulness leads to fruitfulness And faithfulness, in other words, is long-term commitment in one direction. It's small steps working towards a big goal, but it's staying true to that cause day in and day out. And faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Let's look at verse uh, 7 and 8. I'm going to look at two people Paul mentions who lived this out. Verse 7, Tychicus, that's how I'm going to pronounce it and say it. We're going to get to a part here where we talk about Philemon. And I love saying Philemon because most other people, particularly uh, Americans and others, like to say Philemon. But I just like Philemon. It sounds better. So that's what we're going to call it. So we, he's, he's dead now. We can't ask him. We can ask him in heaven one day how he really liked to be called. So uh, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and he may encourage your hearts. If you haven't been tracking with us, Paul is writing these letters from prison, locked up for the gospel. And so he's now sending this friend Tychicus to the church in in, in Colossus to explain it. So he was a native of Asia Minor. Paul would have got to know him around there, and he became a member of Paul's ministry team, his, his football sports team, as it were, and a fellow servant in the Lord. He was a close friend of Paul's, and he was someone who Paul entrusted these letters written by hand to get to places hundreds of miles away, hundreds of kilometers away from where they were written. And so this man Tychicus would have delivered the letter to the Colossian church as well as to the church in Ephesus and individually to Philemon, the letter that he also wrote there to Philemon. So Paul had great trust in him. He was willing to make sacrifice for God's kingdom. We talk about, oh, a few hundred kilometers away, that's not that far, but these guys walked. They walked 200 kilometers to deliver a letter of importance. Did he have to? Was he getting paid for it? No. But it's because he cared about God's kingdom, and he was a friend, and he was a support of Paul. And so he was an ordinary person who was willing to be faithful for long periods of time. He was willing to make a sacrifice, uh, which, and he was dependable. He was reliable. He was available at a cost to himself. And then in verse 12 and 13, we'll jump there as well. Paul talks about someone else, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And in the very first message that we looked at, it spoke about Epaphras, because he was the one who planted, who started the church there in Colossus. So he would have encountered Paul, given his life to Christ, and then he headed to his hometown, headed back there, and that's where he started the church. He had also been imprisoned with Paul at some stage. We see that in other writings, that his fellow friend was there with him. We see here that he's also invited, uh, involved in supporting churches in other places, so he planted one church. He started that in his hometown, and then we see, then we read there that actually he's worked hard for you and for those also in outerlying areas, Laodicea and heriopolis So he was a man who was just committed to the work of God. He believed that Jesus was the name above every name. Friends, there's so many Tychechises, Epaphrases amongst us here at Hope Church, at other churches in the city. So many people who are willing to serve no matter the cost, generosity of resources that's overflowing because of the love of Christ. I'm astounded amongst us here where there's high capacity people, people leading great businesses, leading in school settings, people of caliber and capacity, and they're coming regularly and saying, just put us to work, Craig. It doesn't matter what we do. We don't care if it's picking up chairs. We don't care if it's helping with tea duty. Just put us to work. And then these same people on a Monday are in charge of hundreds of people leading large organizations, large businesses, making huge amounts of money, but saying, actually, when it comes to God's kingdom, I don't care what I do. It's amazing to see, and I just pray for more and more of it. And as we seek to see more people come to faith at Hope Church, at other churches, there's gonna need to be more and more people like this saying, you know what? It doesn't matter how many kilometers I'm gonna have to walk. I willingly do it for the sake of God's kingdom. And so if you're looking and you're going, "I, I just don't know what I can do. I don't know what my giftings are. There's one thing God will never say no to, and that's availability. If you say I'm available, I'm not out for a special position. I'm just there to be available. God will use you. We've just got so many here, though, setting up early, serving at kids' church, just saying, put me to work. I'm happy to be useful. It's incredible, and we love it. But as I said, there's room for more because there's many more in the city who God's called. There's a cost, but it's worth it. One point I'll say to remember, I think a lot of people in church circles come unstuck here is when we serve, we're not serving for the recognition of people, we're just serving Jesus. And so if we serve, but we serve because we want people to notice, if we serve, but we're wanting people to, to see us, to get thanks, for someone to say at the end of a service or a few months time, hey, listen, did, I just saw you doing so much, what that will lead to when we're not noticed, it'll lead to frustration, it'll lead to getting upset with the church. It'll lead to us being frustrated with people, but it's because in the first place we've got our focus wrong. The reason we serve is for an audience of one, which is King Jesus, and he will give us every reward we possibly need now and for all eternity. But that's the only thing for us to notice when we serve, is when we serve, we serve for Jesus and not for others. And so if you're struggling to fit in at the moment, fit in in the world, struggling for joy possibly in life, maybe a lack of of direction, can I tell you, if you get serving, God will sort out the rest. Quite often we're sitting going, but, but I need God to open up a big door for me. I need him to do something amazing in my life. Actually works in small bits of faithfulness which lead to fruitfulness. So get working in the small and let him take care of the rest. That's the first one. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Next one, there is always hope. There is always hope in your life and mine. Two amazing stories of God turning situations around. Firstly, let's look at verse nine. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Some of you might know this, not know this man called Onesimus. Well, he was actually a slave to a person called Philemon, who actually there's a book written about, and he was at the church in Colossus. It might have even been in his house. So this guy was a slave, and he stole from his master, and then he escaped. And he headed across to Rome, and we don't know the exact story, but encountered Paul, and we believe then gave his life to God and became a follower of Jesus. And so Paul actually wrote this letter to Philemon saying, hey, listen, I now am a friend of this guy who was your slave. Slavery was accepted, and in many ways slavery in that time was much, um, much like maybe uh, a setting of a housekeeper or domestic worker here. People were paid. A lot of people in slavery were actually paid. They had an income. So it's a different kind of con- context. But in this, Paul's now writing a letter to Philemon saying, hey, listen, Onesimus, he's been changed. He might have stolen from you. I'll pay that back. He might uh, have, uh, have, have left you, but I am there to, to help and support him and to verify this person. There's been a dramatic change in his life, an absolutely dramatic change. And Paul now calls Onesimus, the slave who stole from his master. Look at him. He calls him a faithful and beloved brother. What an incredible life transformation we see in anesimus not only that we see it in one other person verse 10b this is what paul says and mark the cousin of barnabas concerning whom you've received instructions if he comes to you welcome him and jesus who is called justice these are the only men of the circumcision jewish people among my fellow workers for the kingdom of god and they've been a comfort to me you've got to hear about john mark we can miss this so easily when we share these stories but john mark the story of him comes in Acts fifteen. This is so interesting. Look what it says here. Verse Acts fifteen thirty-six. And after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. This is exactly who Paul's talking about in his letter. Barnabas wanted to take him. And Barnabas was a close friend of Paul's. They did ministry work together. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. And then arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers uh, to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we've got someone here who Paul was not prepared to work with to such an extent that him and Barnabas' close friends parted ways. Barnabas was like, no, I still think that there's room to work with John Mark. And Paul was like, I'm not working with this guy. He hasn't come to the party. We asked him to do things We over here. He had withdrawn from them. He just left. John Mark left. He withdrew from them, and he had not gone with them to work. We're not sure the reasons for it, but Paul said, I'm not prepared to work with this man at all. But what does Paul now say of him? And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you Welcome him and he's talking about these are a few of my jewish buddies who have brought me much comfort How did that turn around happen only the work of? Jesus so these two stories are so powerful a slave and robber whose life is utterly turned around by Christ and now Paul is speaking fondly of him and then John Mark a fellow Jew who now has a, a source of comfort, but who actually Paul had Rejected what do these stories show me? no one is beyond the reach of God's kindness no one is beyond the reach of God's transforming power no one's forgotten you are not forgotten everyone's life can be turned around and there is always hope so I don't know how you're feeling now it's easy for us to put on a front in front of everybody that we see but once we get into our cars and we drive away what are we really feeling what hurts are we carrying what disappointments what questions are we asking of God might be relational, might be in the area of employment. I want you to know that there is always hope. Maybe it's a mess that you're responsible for. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's corruption. I don't know what it is. But I want you to know that with God, there is always, always hope. You're not overlooked. Your past is never too terrible for God. He still wants to use you. He still wants to restore you. He's got a fruitful life ahead for you. So never forget that. Next one. Make the most of every circumstance. He talks again about another name, Aristarchus. Do you see how we can just read through passages of Scripture and miss out if we don't dive deeper to see who were these people? What were they going through? My fellow prisoner greets you. Paul built a friendship with the person he was in prison with. He could have even even led this person to the Lord. We don't know that. This person might have come to faith as a result of Paul being there. But Paul took every opportunity he could for God's gospel advance. He could have been angry at being in a prison cell, frustrated at where he was, biding his time, started sulking, wasted a moment being in a circumstance he didn't want to be in. Reminds me of Joseph as well, locked up in prison for a long time. Friends, if you feel like your life is a prison cell right now, if it feels like it's not where you want it to be, your circumstances haven't turned out how you planned them to turn out, Don't focus on what you want your life to look like in the future. Focus on where it is now and where you can make an impact in people's lives now. So often we can live in a place we're not at. We can live for tomorrow instead of making the best use of today. That's what Paul was doing in that prison cell. Look around See the needs. Wherever God has placed you, invest in the lives of others, and you'll be blown away at what he does. Don't waste those moments. Next one. Your work is a platform for God's work. says your verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Luke was a doctor. You know, we believe in the supernatural for today here at Hope Church. And sometimes that can lead us to kind of think that doctors are a little bit second rate, like, each man, if we don't get miraculous healing guess we've got to go to a doctor, you know, but they, you know, kind of doctors, you know, kind of, you know, in these circles, doctors can be like, yeah, I'm a doctor, you know, shame. If people don't get healed supernaturally, guess they have to come to me. It's never the case in God's kingdom. Notice here, Luke, the beloved physician. We love the medical staff. God works in so many ways. He works in miraculous. He works through modern medicine. He works through people's skills and abilities. We take everything that God wants to do. But Luke, this doctor, is also responsible for writing the book of Luke and the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. He was also with Paul during his imprisonment. But I just love that phrase, beloved. He was obviously had a special place in Paul's heart, but presumably in wider circles as well. I think he was known in different circles. But you get the picture of someone who was using their occupation to serve and care for others rather than build up themselves. this picture that luke was like i'm a doctor i want to help people but actually in my spare time i can write i can copy things down i'm quite good analytically so he started writing at the same time he was involved in whichever way he can the occupation you have now is so much more than a paycheck it's so much more than providing for your family it's so much more than preparing for retirement your occupation can be used as a mechanism for god's work see god made us to work god works he never stops working In fact, before sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, God placed Adam in it to do what? To work. So in perfection, we work. In heaven one day, which we believe we're going to as Christ followers, there's going to be work. We're not going to float around on clouds and shoot arrows at each other. We're going to do work. It's just going to be perfect work, and sadly, there won't be doctors there. So we must celebrate doctors now, because shame, they won't have a job there. Um, The rest of us might, but not doctors. But we work. God made us to work. So work is good and it has a purpose. But I pray that you would see your work as a tool, as an opportunity to advance God's kingdom, as Luke did. As a way to be around people, to be in places of influence, to connect with those who might not know Christ, to exploring faith, to use every day we have, not just as, at the end of the month I get a paycheck, I can pay this, I can prepare for a holiday. No, actually every day is an opportunity for the advance of of God's kingdom. There's no mundane job when each day we put God as a priority. I should actually want to stop quickly just while we're here. Um, I'd love some people to be bold. Is there anyone struggling for work right now? Just raise your hands. I want to pray. Struggling for work, struggling to find jobs, wanting to look for one. Good boldness. Paul, anyone else? People searching. Maybe you've just come back to Zim and you're still on the lookout. Anyone else? Hands, it's your chance to get prayer. This is your chance. Anyone else? Few as well. Excellent. Thanks, Mart. That's three. Any others want prayer for this? Anyone else? Ah, there we go. Another one. Brilliant. Okay, just quickly pop up your hands. I want some guys to get around you because I want to pray for God to provide in the most amazing way. Okay, so who was there? They were searching. Great. Just quickly pop around if you're over there. If you can move forward. Mart over there. Don't be shocked. This is the time you take advantage of prayer. You go for it. Um, So this is amazing. Ah, Killian at the back. Hand up. That is some good bravery, but you should have come here. Don't be hiding. Uh, <laughs> anyone else? Paul there? Okay, Paul. Some guys gather around Paul? Over there. Is that no? Great. Hands around. Perfect. Anyone else? This is your last chance to get some supernatural prayer for this. I'm joking. God can work if you're shy, but He does like it when you're bold. Anyone else? Fine. Great. We're going to pray for you guys. Awesome. Uh, Hands will agree. Lord Jesus, for these people who have put up their hands right now, just acknowledging, saying, I'm either number one, searching, number two, needing a change, number four, working on something, but just, just asking for more and a change. Father, I want to thank you that you made us to work. I wanna thank you that you provide opportunities where it doesn't look like they are. I wanna thank you that you are the great provider. You are a heavenly father who cares about his kids. I pray for each of these who've been so bold, maybe others who weren't as well. I pray that from today, from this week, from Monday, that there would be an overwhelming, amazing open doors that come, incredible opportunities, provision of growth, profit where there hasn't been before, ideas for the future, supernatural conversations, God, you just do what you do. You're the specialist in this. And that they would be up here very soon with a testimony and say, hey, listen, we prayed, and this is what God did. And so thank you that their lives are in your hands. They don't need to have stress. They don't need to have pressure. You're the provider. And so would you lead them? Would you guide them with your still, small voice? We trust you for amazing open doors, amazing provision. Your powerful name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for agreeing. And we're expecting for that. Bran, thank you for seeing Killian there. That was amazing. Great, we're almost there almost there keep an eternal focus this is interesting you know it says there Luke the beloved physician greets you as does Demas those three short words and actually as I read this and researched this I just got so sad I got so sad and this is why because at the point of writing Demas was a committed follower of Jesus but look at what we see later on in 2 Timothy 4 this is so sad Paul is writing to a younger friend, Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, same person, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So sad. Paul's left alone. He's longing for a friend to come to join him and partnering in the gospel because his friend and supporter, Demas, has shifted his focus to things of this world and has stopped living, sold out for Jesus, and friends, this can happen to each of us, it can so easily happen, none of us are above this, and do you know the biggest cause, and when we talk in scripture, about when we have these phrases, in love with the present world, the two greatest things that are meaning behind the scenes, are pursuing comfort, and pursuing wealth, those are the two things, that's what took Demas away from living, sold out for Jesus. Those are the two things that will take you and I from living sold out for Jesus. Sure, we can tick the box. There's a big difference between ticking the box and between living sold out. Those are the two things. Jesus speaks about this in the parable of the sower. Verse seven, he says, "Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked those seeds." Verse 22: explaining it. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world, comfort, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Ruthlessly check yourself when it comes to the pursuit of wealth and comfort. They're the key focuses of life that can derail our faith and prove our lives to be unfruitful where it really matters, and to stand before Jesus one day where it's just all burnt up. And sure, maybe make it into heaven, if we're lucky, if we don't turn like demons completely away, but, but burned up and going, what did I live for for all those years? I can tell you the best way to destroy what Satan wants to do in your life in these areas is radical generosity. It's radical generosity of your gifts, radical generosity of your talents, radical generosity of your time, radical generosity of your resources for him and his kingdom. It will squash any of those thorns that Satan wants to do in your life and then just keep doing it. There's many like that who already live that at Hope Church, but we all need to be challenged on this and challenged regularly. Live generous. Do all you can to focus on things of eternal value. Last two. The gospel is simple to understand, but it's hard to live out. Verse 15, Paul's getting towards the end. He says, Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the churches of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. There was obviously another letter written. So this letter he's written is for everyone. And Colossians is really about... Um, Christ, the supremacy of Christ, what he does in our lives, how he changes us and transforms us. it's, it's It's the good news of Jesus. Paul says this must be read out everywhere. Home churches, bigger gatherings, in the city, out of the city, read it everywhere. Young and old, everyone needs to hear the message of Jesus. And as we as Hope Church reach the end of going through this letter, I don't think any of us who've been part of this series for the last six, seven, eight weeks would say, man, that was a difficult book to understand. But I think what we would say is, to apply it, that's a different story. That's what we would say. And I think that's what we should be saying with all of Scripture. Jesus doesn't make following him difficult to understand. We just struggle to apply what he says. We find it hard to live out what we learn. So keep learning. Keep studying. But keep asking the Holy Spirit to change your heart and your lifestyle. That's key. Following Jesus is not about intellectual academic knowledge. It's about Holy Spirit-fueled, applied knowledge. So sure, learn. Sure, understand. We We should properly interpret Scripture. But if we leave it at that and it doesn't change our lives, we're not following Jesus. So that's the story of the gospel. Simple to understand. Hard to live out. The final thing is the challenge to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Verse 17, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. We each have a ministry. That's a purpose. It's something to do for God's kingdom. It's a serving to do for God's kingdom. A life of impact. Your life and mine, as I said at the beginning, it matters. It matters. Paul was living this out, and he was living out his purpose in prison. He was living it out in prison. We have what we have today, a huge amount of Scripture, because why? He wrote it in prison, a difficult place. The question for each of us is, will you follow God no matter what and live all out for what he has in store for you? Will you make him your greatest priority? Will he be the one that is important to you above any other? Will he be the one that you listen to and you obey regardless of the cost? That was his challenge to Archippus. See that you fulfill what God's called you to. And I know for each of you, he's called you to something. He's called you to something supernatural. He's called you to a life of impact. He wants that for you. He has that for you. Will we step up and say, yes, God? I'm willing to say no to that and yes to this, as Paul did. So I want us to pray, and then I'm going to be calling up Trevor and Sue. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. Thank you for the beauty of your word. Thank you that when you say your word is living and active, you mean it. This isn't empty words written on pages. This isn't just intellectual knowledge, academic writings. This is you. This is your word. This is truth. This is powerful, and this is life every single day we read it. As we've gone through this, uh, uh, this wonderful, beautiful, challenging, inspiring part of Scripture, the letter to the Colossian church. I pray that everything that we've heard, everything we've listened to from your word, we would act out. We would live out. I pray that you would save us from living for things that don't matter when it comes to eternity. I pray that each of our lives would count. If we're exploring faith here today, I want you to know if you're searching out faith today. Jesus says, Roman 10 verse nine, this is what the kids are doing today. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on his name. You can call on his name today. You can say, Lord Jesus, just I felt something listening here today. And I want to call on you. You can give your life to Christ today. For others, maybe you've been sort of doing a tick the box type faith. Today, Jesus would say, it's time for you to fulfill your ministry. It's time for you to step up and fulfill it. And it starts with just serving. It starts with being you. So Father, would you do your work in us? Wherever we need to be challenged, wherever we need to be instructed, Holy Spirit. Would you just show us now? Just in this quiet, he's gonna show you. He's gonna pinpoint some things in your lives right now. Maybe it's an area of unforgiveness. Maybe it's an area of sin. Maybe it's an area of living in habitual sin. You need some help and you need to speak to someone to say, hey, listen, I'm I'm living this out. I need help to get out of it. Can you help me? Let's pray about it. Maybe it's areas of racism thinking that for some reason, because of color of skin, you're above someone. Maybe it's that wealth area. Maybe truly, truly deep down, you are serving money, or you are serving comfort. And Jesus would say, today the change happens. And you just bring that before God. You don't have to do anything fancy. Just bring it before Him, and you say, God, I'm here, and I'm available. Would you show me? And then would you help us to act on it, Holy Spirit? Thank you that you're so good and you're so kind. Thank you that you never condemn, but you get alongside us and you say, hey, I've got more for you. Let's sort this out. Let's deal with this. I paid the price on the cross. Let's get it right. Let's move forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so very good to us. In your name we pray. Amen.